facts. In a talent market that is more competitive and less understood than any other time in history, it's the facts that matter. Welcome to Start Smart, the podcast that delivers the facts, the latest research and data on the key issues and opportunities facing talent acquisition and HR professionals. Everyone, this is Peter Weddle speaking. I'm the CEO of TA Tech, and I'd like to welcome you to this program, this podcast of Start Smart. It's hard enough buying the right technology so that you improve the products or the processes that you're working on in talent acquisition, but one of the biggest challenges that often gets overlooked is implementing it effectively. So that's what this podcast is all about. And today's topic is how do you implement AI recruiting tools without trashing the humans who use them? And I can think of no better guest to have on the show, a real expert in the field, Adam Gotson, who is the president and chief product officer at Paradox.ai. Adam, welcome to the show. Hey, Pete. Great, great to be with you and, and excited to have a great conversation. Yeah, I am as well. So let's begin by having you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and Paradox. Absolutely. So um, I have a longtime talent acquisition technology professional, been in this space about 20 years. I think perspective-wise, I started my career as a, as a practitioner. So I started recruiting in manufacturing, spent many years in RPO doing process and technology, and then I've always been on the technology side in my, in my roles as the person that loved that part of it. And, but I think that's a unique perspective from a, a person that builds a tech that talent teams use. Oftentimes it's a technologist that shows up and learns about the business problem. But uh, myself, our CEO, Aaron Matus, and founder, uh, both started our careers as in the seat, so working in talent acquisition. And Paradox, you know, our goal is to use conversational AI to make recruiting processes better automate the boring stuff and uh, the paradox from which we're named is using software so that people spend more time with people and not software. That's a great paradox to focus on. Let's dive right in. There was a Microsoft survey earlier this year in May that found that almost half of all workers, 49% in fact, fear that they're going to lose their job to AI. That's tough enough, but a survey by Tadio was even more dire. It found that almost, two, actually more than two-thirds, 69% of college graduates thought that they were vulnerable to being replaced by smart machines. So what do you think? Are there grounds for these concerns? I, I do. Um, certainly some work and different types of work as we know it today will be replaced by AI. I also think that you could have done this survey 20 years ago and probably 20 years before that and replaced AI with the new technology, the internet 20 years ago or machines at some point before that had gotten a somewhat similar response. And so I think as we look at the, the cycles all, all the way from you know farming machinery, changing the way that people work to manufacturing, you know, in the 1970s, a huge amount of people worked in manufacturing and today much of that is automated but unemployment literally hit a low of uh, in the history of its measurement in June of this year. And so jobs change, that is absolutely true, but the net of that is often uh, positive and people end up doing higher value things. 
I do think with, with AI there is uh, some, some chance, if we get it right, there's a lot to get right on the political, societal, governmental level of the world, that we could fulfill some promise of humans not needing to work five days a week and 40 hours a week and being able to change some of that. So I, th I think there's, there's both promise and opportunity in, in the near and long term with that. Of course, there's been a lot of talk about, you know, what AI can do if we get it right, to use your phrase, is to take care of all those laborious, boring tasks that we humans don't do all that well, frankly, and let us focus on or let recruiters focus on what they do best. What do you think that is? I mean, what are we trying to free recruiters up to do with artificial intelligence? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, and, and it's it's one that I've spent some good time thinking. And I actually think that the answer is right there in the word, recruit. For me, the recruiting part of that is the process of convincing people to join. It is the, I want to convince you to join me at my company. And, and I look at some of what I think are the best recruiters in the world. And I think they are in sports teams, military organizations, and people that are in living rooms and in places to, to meet people that are, that are convincing people that are incredibly talented, incredibly scarce, to join me at a difficult task to be able to be on my team and not someone else's team. And, and so I think that's where the crux of it comes from. And AI literally cannot do that because there's nowhere to join them in <laughs> because it isn't real. So even if, even if AI can mimic, and that's really what it does is mimic, the conversation you might have to try to convince someone to join, there's no emotional depth to that. There is not a connection. It, it, you cannot join it if it is AI. That emotional connection and convincing people to join is what great recruiting becomes in the future. And yes, uh, AI, and it applied in many other ways, the hope is that it can abstract away all the other things that we've come to conflate with recruiting, all the clicking that, that, that people do in their systems uh, to get to schedule interviews and to follow up with people and send reminders and move statuses and make reports, but focus on that very human task of, of convincing people to join. Yeah, I think that's a great uh, formula. And it's a good segue into what I really want to try to get at uh, in this particular episode. I think we've agreed that there is some fear out there, definitely. And maybe a better description is some angst about AI moving into the recruiting team. And I've always found that the best way to deal with those kinds of emotions is to really know what you're doing, to really know how to acquire, implement, and effectively use the technology. So if a recruiting team wants to bring AI into its toolkit, what's the first step? How should they begin? For me, when I hear people say, I want some AI, that's usually the wrong place to start. It's the wrong question. Um, and, and of course, they've gotten interested in the, the results that it can bring and its potential that is, is clear in many ways. But there's a, a bit of lack of focus with that. Even if the interest is, is in AI, it is about picking the right business problem. And we see people be successful with choosing different ones. Two common ones to start on are areas that, that there are lots of labor spent uh, in Interview scheduling is one, and another is, is oftentimes candidate screening and the high volume processes that you might find with less skilled workers that can be screened more clearly with less, less judgment. And so those are two common ones to start. But I think one of the keys is even if you have a vision for transformation, it's great to set out that vision. This is what I want to look, to look like eventually, and I don't even put a timeline on it, but eventually. And then to start with a concrete problem that you can solve 
get success. And what we've seen with our implementations is people oftentimes worry a lot about change management and how will they get others to be interested. And the reality that we see is is when you're successful, people are beating down the door to get the kind of results that you can get with AI and, and changing some of those processes. So uh, example, you know, we worked with McDonald's, took their time to hire from 14 days to three, we didn't have to do a lot of convincing for new locations to want to jump jump in. They said, I want mine to be three, not 14 also. Starting on a single problem, even if there's a vision for transformation, helps that whole thing go much more smoothly. Yeah, I think buying AI for AI's sake uh, is always the wrong path to head down. You want to be very specific about what you're trying to achieve. If a recruiting team has carefully targeted the task or tasks where they think they can achieve better performance or for the example you just used with McDonald's, better productivity, as I'm sure you're aware better than I, there are you know multiple solutions out there that uh, they are going to want to consider. What questions do you think a recruiting team should ask a prospective solution provider uh, when they're getting ready to, to acquire AI? What, what areas should they investigate? There's a few of those. I think, I think one is just establishing the solution providers fit for your business. So most companies that are in AI in talent acquisition today are less than 10 years old. They're startups and, and they um, ha- had to start somewhere. And, and so I think just finding the right provider that is for whom you are their target market is really important. There are folks that we are not um, in their, their target market, and there are many other providers that um, have a target market that they've chosen to start in those places, whether that's by region of the world or global capability or the business problems that you solve well. Just first, just aligning on, are you an expert in solving this problem in this part of the world in this industry? The second is based on your adventurousness, you likely want to choose someone that has done it. <laughs> so what are the clients you have that look like me? Look, someone had to be first, and so there are some adventurous folks out there. And so getting those references and lessons learned, of course, is important in that. And then when you get deeper into like the buying stages, understanding their position on AI ethics is, is important. And then the stability and uh, sort of supervision of their AI team. Uh, and so understanding if we're using supervised AI, unsupervised AI, what is likely to happen, you know, uh, and what, what results can we expect from this? So I think those are the, some of the key things to, to understand as you get going with a vendor. And then ultimately focusing back on those business results. Like, like how have you helped organizations in the past? What results have they seen? And then can I talk to them? <laughs> so you mentioned AI ethics. Talk a little bit more about that, if you would, please. Sure. Especially in larger organizations, you're going to want to understand how, what level of governance the organization you may want to work with has and what sophistication they have in that field. In hiring, it is not like online shopping. We are making life-changing decisions that are considered high risk by, for example, the European Union's definition that can affect a person's livelihood. So especially if you choose to use AI that is making or recommending decisions, being able to understand how those those decisions are made. And then some of the compliance frameworks. The city of New York, of course, released their AI law in July of this year. Uh, And so um, being able to show how that law is complied with, if if you wanted to hire in New York, and look, maybe you don't hire in New York, so that's not important to you. But it, it is a good indication of the sophistication of the organization 
because it's 2023 now, of course, but laws are coming. <laughs> there, are, there are many hundreds of, of jurisdictions with laws in process related to AI governance, and um, if you're an organization of scale, your IT team will uh, be interested in how this functions. And, and so the, the point of that is, is, of course, the ethical part of being sure that, that AI is not discriminating and um, has, is free of bias, but also for you as a practitioner, the, the organizational part, choosing a provider that is uh, mature and has some uh, process behind that's important. So let's put paradox aside for just a moment and talk about large language models like ChatGPT. AI learns from historical data. You know, it sucks up all that stuff that uh, you and I and everybody else has uh, posted online in the past, whether it's documents or social media or even images. So knowing that we humans have been less than perfect in the past with regard to bias and so forth, how do you make sure that the machine that you're dealing with, before you've begun to incorporate your own historical data, which may or may not be biased. How do you make sure that uh, what the machine has learned isn't all of our bad habits of the past? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's a great question, right? So the answers to that really are, are two things. One is you have to test, uh, and, and you have to ongoing test. And, and uh, that's part of the New York law, for example, is what types of tests we use to do that and laying that out with clear definition. And I think they wisely chose a framework that is similar to the way that employment assessments have been tested for decades. Uh, and so that fit right into that, that wheelhouse um, in being sure that we, we test in that way. The second is box it in. Uh, and, and being able to root out those those types of, of things with, with fine-tuning, and, and certainly GPT has lots of that on top. It is early days in that in, in, in many instances, so it is about how do we play constant uh, defense to new new techniques to get the language models to say something that it shouldn't in that way. So my common example is <laughs> unfettered. If you ask uh, a large language model, can I take my pet to work? We'll look at that pet policy and say, sure, it looks like you can take that pet to work. And then you say, my pet is an, emo is an emotional support alligator. Uh, can I bring my alligator to work? Not to a baseball game. That's right. Uh, and, 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 and to be able to be convinced through a series of injections that, and then eventually be able to force the model to say, yes, you can bring your alligator to work, which isn't a good idea. So so th those types of things are, are going to be a constant game of chess that will continue to, to happen. And when I say box it in, I mean sort of just rooting out those types of, uh, of things and, and controlling the model and what it does, what it says. I think overall that you can get pretty good results out of the box with just a chat GPT, but uh, what's happening is providers are using underlying large language models and they are fine-tuning them and working with, with certain prompts so that they are business usable and won't have uh, hallucinations like that. You mentioned that you know one of Paradox's uh, clients is McDonald's, huge global corporation. It would seem to me that one of the best prospective uses of AI are SMBs. I mean, they're the organizations that don't have a lot of hands, don't have a great big recruiting team, don't have a great big HR department. Um, so it would seem that AI would be particularly useful there. I know that's not you know right in your wheelhouse because you focus on, on the big companies, but any thoughts about how an SMB should go about 
purchasing uh, an AI-based recruiting tool. Yeah, well, I, funny as you say that, like, it, it, McDonald's, while it is a big global corporation, is actually, because of the franchise model, a federation of SMBs. I think the average owner owns around 10. And so in, in that case, it, it very much is that wheelhouse of assisting that manager. There's oftentimes in the field, especially not a recruiter involved. And, and, and we see that pretty regularly about field-based uh, talent acquisition. So it's assisting that manager who already has too much to do and thinks about a couple hours a week at all <laughs> about recruiting. Um, and so being able to just distill the tasks down to like starting the process and making a decision. <laughs> we rightly say that. It's, the, it's those busy field-based SMBs or managers that are, are probably the best users in many ways of, of, of AI because it is a relatively simple process um, and it's about how do I get the basic things? Can you work these hours? Are you 18? Uh, you know, do you have the certification? Great. Show up tomorrow at this time. Let's talk. I push the button and send you the pa- to send you the paperwork if it works. And so the process there is is probably pretty similar, except for because you don't have a big corporate infrastructure looking out for risk and governance and those types of things, you probably just pick a provider that, that you have a lot of trust in that's done it a bunch of times. And the one thing that we didn't mention back when we were talking about, you know, how you evaluate prospective solution providers, notwithstanding all of the regulations uh, that have come into play, certainly in Europe, but now, as you mentioned, in New York City and other places, there are still, unfortunately, uh, vendors out there offering black box solutions for AI. And I, and I think it's appropriate to add a warning there, especially to the SMBs, that you don't want to buy into a vendor that can't tell you or won't tell you what training data were used to get the, the, the model up to speed or even how the algorithms work so that you have some confidence that what comes out of the model is uh, is appropriate. 100% agree, like just, just being sure that any person can understand because I think that's the, the emotional side for, for candidates as well is they want to know how decisions get made. <laughs> There's an emotional part for, for them too, so if, if a provider can't you know, give you an explanation of that, that's that's problematic. For, for me, I'm a nerd, so like I go all the way, but I, I look at people's patent filings and other things, and literally in some of them, there'll they'll be a big box, like it's, uh, it's not always black box, but it's, <laughs> but but it says, you know, data goes, data goes out and, and, you, and nothing happens there, and, and that's that's not the way the future is, is going to be shaped here. Yeah, there's a wonderful cartoon with, that's uh, it's a blackboard filled with, you know, thousands and thousands of numerical symbols and signs and so forth, and at the bottom it says, and then a miracle occur- occurs. <laughs> that's uh, right. And, 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 you know, that that's sort of what we're, we're talking about here. You know, you, uh, you don't have to be uh, an algorithm writer or a data scientist to be able to evaluate these products. Uh, I mean, certainly there are consultants out there who can help you if you want to go that way. But at the end of the day, you should be, they should be able in, in English, not technobabble, tell you what's going on and what you can expect. Yeah, I, I'll start to say like, like most talent acquisition professionals in 2023 got a new job that they didn't ask for, <laughs> which is to, to become a, an expert in, in AI and because and, they're getting asked about it from people inside of their organization. So, you know, being able to have that explainability is, is crucial. Thank you for mentioning that because I'm, I'm uh, happy to report that for that very reason, that a new core competency of recruiters is 
an understanding. It doesn't have to be, uh, you know, an algorithm level expertise, but an understanding of talent technology, how it's acquired, how it's implemented, how it's used. Because of that core competency, we here at TA Tech have launched a professional membership program, which is free, open to HR and talent acquisition professionals, and just enables them to connect with people like you, the experts who are in the the cadre of, of folks who are developing these weapons and actually hear it from the experts, hear it from people who are building the tools and, and helping uh, employers use them at our conferences, through our publications and our online programs. So if that's you out there, please you know go to tatech.org and sign up for the professional membership program. Okay, well, as I mentioned at the outset, we haven't gotten there yet, but we should. Uh, this, this podcast is all about talent technology implementation. So, so, so Adam, assuming that the recruiting team has, has done it right, they've identified specific tasks that they want the tool to perform, and those tasks can be measured with KPIs and so forth, and they've bought a system that they trust and believe can get the job done, what are some of the best practices for implementing AI-based tools? In many ways, assuming you're not first, <laughs> being able to follow some of the, the provider's recommendations for, for how to do things a little bit differently is, is a way that um, can, can be really successful here as well. The other is, is just understanding the business objectives with extreme clarity from the outset. And for some providers, I'll, I gave the McDonald's example earlier, speed. Like that was the core metric that they were going for. And so that was what, what was really being measured. For others, it may be experience. For others, it may be selection rate. What, whatever the, the, the key measures are, being laser focused on, did we achieve that goal, regardless of whether it's AI or process change or, or other things that helped achieve that, but having that, that laser focus and then being able to measure before and, and after. <laughs> and the before one is actually often sometimes the hardest. What, what am I even my metrics now? But then being able to do that and doing it in a small part of the business that's maybe representative of, of the larger business and understand that, tweak those processes, get there. Uh, it, this is not a single shot. <laughs> you're you're going to get it the very first time, but getting a little better every day and then bringing those um, those down with different tweaks to the process. And so it, it depends on how exactly you're implementing AI, if it's sort of conversational AI that's looking to do certain tasks through conversations, if it's a matching-based AI where we're looking to grade or score things in that in that world. But regardless of the type, it, it's, it's about that, that measurement. And I, I would just suggest laser focus on one, maybe two measurables uh, of what you look to accomplish. I would add that I think, and, I, and you hinted at this, I, I think transparency is really important, that there are going to be multiple stakeholders affected by the introduction of this technology. As a minimum, it's obviously the recruiter and probably the hiring manager to some respects. So to your point, I think it's important to be transparent. You may not get it right or exactly right the first time around. You need to be honest and open about that. And and one of the things that we've talked about in a previous episode of this podcast is the importance of feedback loops, letting people know what's going on and hearing from them, you know, their perspective on what went wrong or how to imp- how to correct what went wrong or, or what went right and how to amplify that. Absolutely. And I think bringing together those those stakeholders and, and getting them focused on what, what the goal is with that. And, and look, change management is still hard. AI is very impressive, but it's not magical. And, and humans love to hold on to 
old ways in, in some sometimes. So I think just uh, being really clear about that is, is helpful. Yeah, we, we humans are creatures of habit, to be sure, and, and change is hard for a lot of us. So, you know, we've talked about the recruiting team, we've talked about the organization. What about the individual recruiter? Is there any advice that you would offer to them about how they might think about artificial intelligence and its increasing role in recruiting? I think there's there's a lot to be digested for recruiters, especially for people that have been doing this a while. I'm 20 some odd years in myself. And I think acknowledging that, that change is coming and is, is here to a large degree is, is important. And that there are a few paths and choices that a person can make from, from here that are important. So I think one thing I'll state is a lot of what we consider recruiting today isn't really what we considered recruiting 20 or 30 years ago. I can literally walk into a recruiting team's office and hear nothing but clicking today. And it, it is absolutely silent. I, I don't see like the, the people on the phone, the boiler room, and some things you maybe saw um, you know, 20 years ago of, of a lot of phone conversations and smile and dial. Those things are already gone. Some of the transactional work is going to disappear. Things like scheduling interviews, Many of our clients have had big teams that have done this, and you can go, you know, going from 40 people to eight people that are doing that as a full-time role. The other people will need to be redeployed to do something else in, in the organization. But for people that love recruiting, I think there's a path that this actually that that, that people love and, and will learn to love their jobs again. <laughs> where it is, there's a path for me where someone maybe loves to become more technical and starts to really learn and get educated about uh, artificial intelligence. And they become that system admin, the person that tells the AI what to do, that helps to configure and helps to manage. And, and there are going to be a lot more of those people needed to help run the process, be air traffic control um, in that way. And then there are going to be people that are about engagement and the people that, that love the conversation. They would be on the phone talking to human beings all day if they could, and they probably are the ones that never disposition their candidates in the ATS anyway. And that, this will free them up to spend so much more time doing that. But I do think there's a bit of a fork in the road where, where if I were giving advice to someone earlier in their career, it would be to pick a, fork, pick a path um, of that in that Yes, there will be laggard organizations that are doing it the way it's been done for the last 10 years, you know, 10 years from now. But in most organizations, things will begin to have that split. And so understand what you want to do, get more technical or get more personal, and being able to think about how the future of recruiting is for you personally. I think that's great advice. I would only add that if you buy the proposition that artificial intelligence is going to let recruiters do the things that they do best, the implication there is that they haven't heretofore had the time to do the things that they've done best. So that means that those skills of empathy and, and conversion and sales may well have atrophied. So one of the things that the recruiters who decide to take the engagement path really need to think about is, do I need to burnish up my skills a little bit in terms of sales and empathy and so forth so that I can really do the things that we humans are supposed to do best. Yeah, that's a good point. And I, th I think your your organization, Pete, will have great uh, great content, great to, uh, to help people on both paths. And I think that's, that's really commendable in, in all ways. Well, there you have it. As always, our 
30 minutes are far too short to deal with a subject that is as complex as the one we've been covering today, but thankfully we've had the chance to tap into the wisdom of Adam Godson. Adam, for those who would like to connect with you or with Paradox, what's the best way to do that? Yeah, absolutely. Connect with me on LinkedIn. would love that. Uh, start a conversation there and then give us a shout at paradox.ai. would love to talk if we can be helpful in any way. Terrific. So thanks to all of you for listening into our program. This is, again, the podcast Start Smart, the podcast that covers everything about implementing talent technology effectively. We'll look forward to seeing you next time. Bye-bye now. That concludes this episode of Start Smart. Thanks very much for joining us. And come back for our next episodes on the latest research that will help you shape your talent acquisition with the facts. See you then.